welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we also have our baby Sam here, who is our silent co-host. Hopefully silent. Mostly silent. Hmm. Uh, And we are here to talk about when bad warlocks go good. Episode 18 of season one of Charmed. Also, on the DVD and on IMDb, it's called When Bad Warlocks Turn Good. Which I feel like is a mistake on the DVD that carried over onto IMDb, but I just wanted to bring it up that it appears as both, depending on what you're looking at. I can see that I owned the uh, first season DVDs, and they were by far the cheapest DVDs I think I've ever owned. I don't think they even had menus. I think you just put them in and they'd start the episodes playing. Oh, wow. I think. You might have been able to select episodes, but like, no special features, no anything, which was fine for me. That's... I just used DVDs to watch the episodes. I wasn't into the extra stuff. Oh, no. See, for me, it's all about director commentary. Mm. One of the things I'm sad about with DVDs going away is that it's harder to find things with director commentary, with everything being streaming. It's interesting, given your uh, view on director's cuts. Well, it, it, I should have said audio commentary, because sometimes it's the actors, sometimes it's the directors, sometimes it's the writers. It's interesting. Only time I've ever really enjoyed commentary. Can you guess? No. It's, it's the really obvious one to enjoy the commentary of. The musical commentary on Dr. Dr. Horrible's yep. sing-long blog. Okay. But, but that's basically just because it's its own separate musical that's over the rest of the show. Well, since you brought that up, are you aware that This is Spinal Tap, the DVD, has a commentary by Spinal Tap in character? As though they're Spinal Tap watching the documentary? Okay, see, I like stuff like that, and I know some DVDs did it, but... In fact, I think my favorite line from This Is Spinal Tap is actually not even from the movie. It's from the commentary on the DVD of the of, of the movie, mm. which is uh, during the scene where they can't find the stage. Because the, yeah. the whole conceit of that commentary is that they're annoyed that Rob Reiner made them look so dumb in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And the line is... Of course he shows the one time we couldn't find the stage and not the hundreds of times that we made it to the stage without incident. See, I always see that. I, I forget that it's not actually in the movie. Yeah, no, that's from the commentary. Also, really, the DVD for This is Spinal Tap was really well done. Like, the menu doesn't really work right and they're talking over the menu about it not working right. Hmm. Well, I remember the DVD for Dogma. Yeah, I know, I watch... I, Owned, I think, maybe a Kevin Smith DVD, Eternal Shame, etc., etc. I don't think you need to... Go ahead. It had these, like, this uh, older woman who did these, like, fake Christian warnings before, you know... Oh, that's funny. Like, uh, starting this movie will send you directly to hell, or uh, the Bible doesn't need uh, extra features, that sort of thing. That's... I... That's cool. I I thought I did own the DVD of Dogma, but I guess I didn't, because I feel like I would have remembered that. Although, they re-released DVDs with different stuff on them, didn't they? Yeah, maybe there was, like, a special, special feature DVD that I didn't have. Yeah. So, Charmed. This is a pretty solid episode. Uh, It's... It's okay. It's... I don't know. It's nothing special, which is weird to me, because I feel like it's a very memorable episode in that it features the... The Rogue Coven, the first anti-Charmed ones. And it has a lot of themes that'll be carried through for the rest of the show, really. But the episode itself is just, eh. Well, I think the problem is that it's following up on that 70s episode, which is one of the stronger Charmed episodes. Yeah, but I mean, the answer there is just to make all of them strong, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and not to have, like, a few strong ones peppered throughout the series, making all the ones around them look worse. Hmm, point. This episode was uh, directed by Kevin Inch, who hmm. also, who we've seen before, because he directed Feats of Clay, which... Ugh. But it's a similar plot, I thought. It's, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, no, this is... Yeah, this is like a better version of Feats of Clay. Is that a running thing for Charmed where they're just doing the same episodes but better? I mean, you brought it up that it happens in Farscape. And also, it famously, since we're watching a lot of old Simpsons, it happens in The Simpsons. Hmm. So maybe it's just a thing. Yeah. Maybe when a series runs long enough, you just, you have, you know. But these right. are all first season ones. You shouldn't be repeating stuff in the first season. I think they're all kind of working out what they're doing in this first season. Oh, Charmed and Farscape. I, I was going to say Buffy didn't do that, but I guess uh, iRobot, Eugene, and uh, uh, Bad Eggs, not Bad Eggs, uh, the one with the Praying Mantis teacher. Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet. I guess they are kind of similar episodes. Mm. I mean, season one was easy because it was like, okay, let's just take all of the things that might be an issue for teenagers and make them heavy-handed metaphors, right? Yeah. Oh, the internet is scary. Also, just... I Robot You Jane is a cheesy episode that is frighteningly prescient. I mean, it's about incels. Yeah, like it's about like 4chan. Yeah. Yeah, like it seems hokey, but you're like, no wait, this is actually how, you know, far like like alt-right movements build yeah, through like, what happens in that episode. When it came out, it seemed like it was kind of fear-mongering, like, oh, predators on the internet but in actuality it's like oh wow look at these young men being radicalized on the internet with hatred and misogyny mm. oh too real too real <laughs> too real buffy <laughs> anyway this episode was written by edith swenson who also Familiar name yep she also wrote the fourth sister and she oh. mm -hmm, a great episode and she wrote the wendigo a solid it's mm. it's a bad episode but it's fun bad so i think it's interesting though because they bring up the wendigo in this episode yeah. yeah yeah continuity i guess it's easy to do continuity when you're just referring to things you wrote earlier i don't know we've already had i don't like calling out the discontinuity here because it needed to happen but like the whole last episode was basically just retconning all of the dad stuff from you yeah. know the shapeshifter episode i mean like you i don't want to call it discontinuity in a season where they really hadn't decided what they were doing yet yeah yeah so you ready to jump into it yes let's get into when bad warlocks go good so we open at a church which makes me kind of think about how odd it is how churchy charmed is at the beginning yeah i mean when this opening started it of course made me think of the second episode of Charmed. Is it the second episode of Charmed ever? Yeah, with, we're with Piper's... Crisis of Faith. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, this has a really weird... Charmed, in the beginning, has a very odd relationship with Christianity. Uh, we open in the church with a young man named... Brendan. Brendan, yes. Talking to a priest about how scared he is and the priest is like well you just have to take as soon as you take your vows you'll have nothing to worry about which i don't think is a sentence that has ever been true well brendan's about to become a priest but he's worried about his evil family but he'll be protected by a bigger evil family the catholic church um, i i should just, i cut that no no keep it in keep it in i'm just not gonna touch it 
yeah, I've, I, I, it, too easy or too, uh, too real, too real. Anyway, while Brendan is having this conversation, uh, two other men show up, his, his, his brothers will find out Mm. and they're like, Hey, we just decided to come here and hassle you like eighties movie bullies. Yeah. Hey, pipsqueak. I'm going to, I was trying to think of an eighties, I think an eighties bully would say to a nerd that wasn't, you know, a slur. Yeah. And okay. So it's a thing you have to do. I was thinking about it, like watching stranger things or uh, that Steven Spielberg movie that came out recentishly, eight uh, millimeter. Oh I yeah, think. Uh, Super Eight, isn't it? Super Eight, yeah. Where like kids in media that takes place in the eighties can't talk like actual kids from the eighties because if you watch stuff like I know we've mentioned this on the, one of our podcasts before, but if you watch stuff like The Monster Squad, the kids use so many slurs it blows your mind. Yeah, well, that's why I'm really excited about the new Bill and Ted movie. Yeah, because I love the classic Bill and Ted movies, but they drop the Ooh, uh, yeah, they drop the homophobic f bomb quite a bit in those movies. Which, you know, the thing about the was it Universal stage show with Bill and Ted that ended up eventually getting canceled because of how aggressively racist and homophobic it was. Is that the thing? That was the whole thing. But yeah, you heard about that, right? Or you remember you, you were you were you're a theme park person you I am I I I I more than heard about it I've seen it <laughs> I mean it's no Beetlejuice graveyard review I'm unfamiliar with this Beetlejuice's graveyard review was that also a theme park thing that went super hard into being offensive No actually that one's not offensive that I remember wait don't quote me on that there might now I'm thinking about it uh, anyway. It's, um, it's, the the theme of Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review is, is Beetlejuice takes all of the universal monsters and makes them 80s glam rockers, and then they all sing and dance. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah. Although, really, the the best universal show, the best classic universal show is, uh, the Blues Brothers show, Hmm. which is essentially just two guys dressed like Jake and Elwood. Doing SNL sketches. No, 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 just doing the Blues Brothers music. Just, ah. just doing the music that they used in the Blues Brothers. So just like classic Motown. So it's, uh, who's the director? The uh, La La Land guy? You know, the one who's... The, yeah, I, I forget his name, but yeah, I know who you mean. The guy who's, all of his movies are themed around white people saving jazz. Yeah, although at least in the Blues Brothers... Uh, they acknowledge black people exist. Yeah, well, and in the Blues Brothers movie, is Aretha Franklin in the Blues Brothers movie? Is it Aretha Franklin who performs Think in the Blues Brothers movie? It's been some time since I've seen the Blues Brothers. I've seen the stage show a lot more than I've seen the, sh- <laughs> the actual movie because, as you said, I am a theme park uh, fan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is Aretha Franklin performing Think. I, for a second, I was like, wait, is it actually Aretha Franklin performing Think, or is it a, a, a different woman performing her song? Mm. But no, it is actually her. Yeah, and at least in the Blues Brothers stage show, they do have a, um, uh, they do have a black woman performing that character and, and doing Think. Mm. Although not anymore, because they don't have that show anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, God knows everything gets rebooted eventually, so just give it time, but... 
like blues brothers is pretty out of date by this point it was pretty out of date by blues brothers 2000 it was out of date when i was watching that show in the 90s it didn't make me enjoy it any less Mm. but uh what were we talking about all right charmed so later after i they yeah so the guy's brothers show up to basically be like you can't fight the evil forever dude you're gonna turn to the dark side man we're gonna have you stab some lady and then we'll become the evil charmed ones okay what's the scene is so weird though because it opens the episode right so we start right off with this scene with brendan a character we don't know talking about his problems to the priest who we don't know which is fine you know cold opens are a thing and then he's confronted by his brothers who we don't know and then one of the brothers is like let's take this outside but they don't take it outside Instead, we cut to outside to the sisters who are there bringing food for a food drive from Quake. Which is exactly how Piper uh, got to the church last time, although it was not a Catholic church, presumably, last time. That actually makes sense, though. It makes sense that that would be just a thing that Quake does. Mm. But one of the brothers says, let's take this outside. We cut to outside. The brothers don't go outside. It's a weird choice. It's a weird choice. Yeah, we go outside and then we cut to back inside later where the sisters are bringing food for, you know, the homeless, I guess. Yeah, okay, so outside they're unloading the van of all the food and and Phoebe is giving Piper a hard time about how she's not banging Josh yet. Remember Josh from a couple episodes ago? Yeah, you remember Josh, which speaking of, as I believe I mentioned earlier, themes that will come back later in the show it hit me you know who josh is who's josh proto neighbor dan oh yeah yeah another character that doesn't really get to develop because leo is there right like i mean and it leo's already there at this point too leo was the more interesting love interest who disappeared only to be replaced by bland guy mc90s hair well this is what i'm saying any discussion of Piper's love life is overshadowed by the fact that obviously we're going to bring Leo back. Yeah. Especially for... Okay, so we start with... God, I don't remember his name. Josh? Josh? Josh. We start with Josh, who is a prototype for Neighbor Dan, who later, much, much later in the show, gets another look-alike replacement in Fireman Greg. Yes. I, I mean, I think Josh stands out just by virtue of not having a descriptor before his name. <laughs> That's true. I He's, yeah, yeah. My thing about this plot line, though, is how weird it is how hard Phoebe is pushing Piper. Like, why? She thinks Piper needs to bang some dude. Is she just bored? I think she's just bored. Get a hobby, Phoebe. Right? Anyway, and then Piper's like, you know what? I'm just thinking I'm not going to date anymore. I'm just going to become a nun. Seeing these nuns here made me realize I'm just going to become a nun. And Phoebe's all like, what? No, say it's not true. And it's like, okay, calm down. She's obviously just venting. I mean, she she couldn't actually go become a nun. There's a lot. <laughs> you don't just say you want to be a nun and then you're a nun. There's a lot of steps involved. Well, you can't give her a break. They're just ripping off that one scene in Buffy. You know, in season three, oh, yeah. when she saves that nun from the nunnery and then she makes the joke and, you know, I say, I killed something in a nunnery last night. In other, in any other room, a horrifying declaration. <laughs> Here, a welcome change of subject. She let me try on her whipple. 
back to horrifying. So, speaking of Buffy in season three, the last guy Piper dated turned out to be a warlock. Give her a break if she doesn't want to date right now. Wait, did he? Who who was the last guy? The guy from the pilot. Oh, oh, I guess yeah, she dated like, Leo in between. I guess, yeah. I guess she's dated a few guys in between. But Yeah, her last serious long-term relationship was a demon who, you know, trapped her in a basement and tried to murder her. I'm sorry, a warehouse, not a basement. I just, I feel like if you'd gone through that, your sister should give you a break about taking a break from dating. Also, that aside, she just broke up with Leo. Like, I know it wasn't like a serious relationship or anything, but... Okay, you know, Also, Josh sucks. He does suck. Basically, their entire relationship has been him negging her. He's, like, attractive, I guess, but he's a total jerk. Don't date... Don't... Don't date... Okay, number one, don't date him. Hmm. Number two, can, can, I, can I read a bit of a Chuck Tingle book on the air? Is that okay? Sure, go for it. Uh, so this is Harriet Porber talking to uh, bad boy Parasaurolophus, the kind of dinosaur. Yes. Snabe. We're, we're all, fa- I was going to say we're all familiar with Chuck Tingle, but maybe that's just the social circle we oh, run you're, in. Uh, you're right, you're right. If you're not familiar with the Tingleverse, you should know he writes these really, like, uplifting, like, really joyful, wholesome erotica pornography yeah and that that involve a lot of sex with uh businessmen who are also dinosaurs and or concepts right right like uh another one is uh making love to the uh personification of being trapped in a tuck in a chuck tingle novel because they're also they're also really meta it's true or uh you know there 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 was one there was one that he that there was one that came out a few months ago that was um, the fire festival one. Oh, I mean, there is a fire festival one, but no, the uh, the one that was uh, making love with the concept of washing your hands. Yes. <laughs> Just so you have an idea of where of where he is as a as a concept. Okay. So so this is Snabe, the bad boy in the in the book. Bad I'm so- boy dinosaur. Bad boy dinosaur. I'm sorry. He suddenly blurts, noticing my appalled expression. I'm just written this way. What? I question, confused. It's a trope in romance, the dinosaur continues to explain. The more of an asshole I am in this part of the book, the better the payoff is when you change me later on. I have no idea what you're talking about, I reply, shaking my head from side to side. It's okay, he continues, just as long as it's clear that this is fiction. In the real world, you should probably just break up with someone who acts like this. Fair. (laughs) I love Chuck Tingle. (laughs) Seriously. He's the hero we need. But... The salient point being... She shouldn't date Josh! She shouldn't date Josh. She's... I mean, honestly, I don't get if she's supposed to be playing coy here, but it does genuinely seem like she doesn't remember who Josh is until Phoebe reminds her. Yeah, that's true. Also, I do think she's playing coy, though. Also, since I, like, weirdly brought up Chuck Tingle to explain why she shouldn't date Josh, I feel like I should say that I quite love the enemies-to-lovers trope in fiction. But... Part of that is about there being sizzling sexual tension and, like, exciting banter. So, um, this one's not working for me. Yes. Also, there's a lot of things you can enjoy in fiction that you would not love in real life. Right, but this is fiction. So I feel like I need to explain that it's not working as a story trope here either. 
Well, it's not so much enemies to lovers as random dickhole to woman who has to tolerate his behavior for the sake of her sister's career. All right, let's... So, anyway, Phoebe is pressuring Piper to call Josh and, uh, you know, blah, 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 have babies, I guess, when she gets a premonition of a cute guy being attacked by a warlock. Yeah, conveniently, her... Conveniently... Piper had accidentally held onto the pen that Brendan, I guess, signed the delivery slip with. Mm. So when Phoebe takes a hold of the pen, she gets a premonition of Brendan being attacked by his brothers who are in, like, warlock face. Okay, so, okay. I don't I'm feel s- like, okay. I'm sorry. I know we keep doing this over and over again, and it's not going to matter eventually because all of the bad guys eventually just turn into, you know, they just start being demons and they stop being warlocks. But I thought part of the thing was warlocks were people who, you know, they were regular people who killed witches and or innocents. And got their powers by doing so. Yeah. But, like, if you have demon face, that means you're a demon, which is a higher level evil thing. Yeah. And it it would make sense, honestly, it would make sense either way for them to be warlocks or demons, but the fact that they're... Like, they're explicitly warlocks. It's even in the title of the episode. So it doesn't make sense that they have demon face. I mean, I know Javna was a warlock who had a demon thing going on, but I thought that was just because he was really old. Right, because he was, like, stealing youth from witches. Yeah. Yeah. So his demon face was just him being, you know, thousands of years old. Yeah. Also, these guys have warlock faces that are like buffy vampire faces where they can't control them and they come out when they're angry or, or feeling violent yeah like it's this whole it's a mess okay well i mean this this whole episode is just like a preamble for the belthazar stuff later ah yes so i kind of get the impression from this that the their warlock faces are Again, they go back and forth on this with Cole, but, you know, how Cole's Balthazar face is supposed to be his default. This is what he actually looks like, and the Cole thing is a facade he puts on, and it, like, takes effort. Right, but Brendan is half-human, so, like... Of course, then again, so is Cole, but we'll... Oh, right, yeah. But, I mean, they go back... We don't even see Balthazar after a certain point. So, but, basically, the girls have to go into the church and save Brendan from being attacked by these warlocks. Yes, so Brandon's praying in front of the altar, you know, candles, whatnot, when he's approached again by his brothers, presumably just to, you know, say that they're going to have a confrontation and then leave. His brother Greg. Greg the demon. God. So Greg's like, this time we mean business, unlike last time, apparently. And he shifts into demon face. Also, can we talk about what their plan is? Because... We know from later on in the episode that they need to make Brendan kill an innocent. That's what will make him a full warlock, hmm. which is fine. That, that's a trope in urban fantasy and urban horror that, like, makes sense, right? You're born into a thing, but until you make the choice to do this evil act, you're not actually evil. Yeah. Great. Fine. There's a bunch of vampire stuff about that, too. You know, you can get turned and you can have cool vampire powers, but it doesn't really lock in until you, you know, taste human blood for the first time. Yeah, in the Dresden Files, uh, Susan Rodriguez is a half vampire because she hasn't killed yet. Damn fear. Oh. Or is that different? No, no, that's different. Uh, spoilers for the Dresden File books that came out like They're a like decade 40 ago. They're like 40 years old. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. 
Yes, but she she maintains, like, a semblance of vampire powers without being a vampire as long as she resists the overwhelming urge to kill. Yeah. So their plan is to beat the crap out of their brother until he murders someone? Right? What? What is... I guess... I guess when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know what they should do? Uh, they should, uh... They should do, uh... You remember the fight scene in, uh... Scott Pilgrim versus the world where uh, he's fighting Roxy, but he doesn't think that he can punch a girl. So Ramona just puppets him through the fight. I'm pretty sure, you know, I was, I was starting to say, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't count as far as becoming a demon, but charmed is kind of mean about their <laughs> rules about what makes a person evil. So they probably would count that. Okay. I'm going to wait to talk about it, but I don't like the fact that this character is half human. I, I think it makes the narrative weaker. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll get to that when he reveals that. But So, his brothers are beating the crap out of him when Prue comes running in and telekinetically tosses... What's his name? Greg. Greg. Tosses Greg across the room and they scatter like big scaly bunnies. Yes. Scaly cockroaches. So, uh, she's like, are you all right? And... And Brendan just runs off. <laughs> okay, like like a scared bunny this episode is weirdly building like a romance between prue and brendan that is never actualized i mean yes yes it is it's it's going hard into that whole Anne rice buffy forbidden love thing except it doesn't really go into it hard enough because he needs to you know become a priest and that's always there yeah i guess that's the reason that it's never actualized yeah that makes sense okay so Prue's sisters come join her so that they can all stare off at Brendan's retreating form like, what just happened here? And, um, red alert, Piper's wearing overalls. Thank you. <laughs> I think we know what's going to hit our 90s thing for this episode, huh? Oh my goodness. Uh, overalls. But, uh, Prue decides to chase after him to see, you know, what's wrong and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we go to credits. And then we come back to credits with, uh, 50 seconds of establishing shots of San Francisco. So this is a thing now. I'm just going to start keeping track of how many establishing shots of San Francisco there are. 50 seconds. Dear Lord. Also, yeah, it's a long time to establish that you're in San Francisco. Also, um, is it okay if I go on a little diversion here? Go for it. Because, you know, we, we like to stay focused and on topic. Yes. So there's music over this establishing shot of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when we were watching the episode, I said, this feels like a fill-in. This feels like a sound-alike to what was originally there. It doesn't sound like the actual song they would have chosen. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I discovered this is actually the song that was over it when it originally aired. And really? Yes. I wanted to bring it up because it's like this weird electronic trip-hop song. Mm-hmm. And usually Charmed has, you know... college alternative rock college guitar rock over things and i thought that i i actually thought it was interesting oh look they're replacing the charmed ones college alternative musical cues with this electronic trip-hop musical cue to symbolize the evil charmed ones i appreciated that but i was like "Ooh, it's a shame they couldn't get the original music because this is no it's the original music (laughs) yeah 
Wait, now that I've just trashed it, I probably shouldn't even say who the band is. Yeah, it would be the polite thing to do. Although I'm sure they massively don't exist anymore. Oh, they really don't. I had to I had to go to like the third page of Google results to find them. Well, I mean, there was a thing like when I when I got my Buffy DVDs where, you know, they have all these bands playing at the bronze and there were a few songs that I really liked and I couldn't find their stuff on iTunes. And I was like, these bands haven't existed in such a long time. Like they stopped existing. It must have been a nightmare to get the rights stuff for Buffy because I know how long the Daria DVDs took to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sorry. I, I for a second I thought you were gonna say it must have been a nightmare because the bands don't exist anymore, but the the labels own their music. But no, you just meant because there's so many of them. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of bands that I'm assuming a lot of those labels don't exist anymore either. Like, mm, yeah, that's probably true. I I mean, but, all all of the bad things that you can say about him, and there are a lot. Just did like to promote kind of new music. But I bet it's a WB thing because I know. It's a thing in a lot of their shows that the characters end up having a club that they go to or starting a coffee shop that has musical What acts. are you talking about? It's completely normal for a chef to own a nightclub. That's that's the next natural progression of being a chef. Uh, God. It's been a while since I've seen Smallville, but the fact that they're like, oh yeah, these high schoolers opened a coffee shop that has, you know pop punk bands that you can whose songs you can buy off the wb's website i bet the wb had some sort of music contract which helped with a lot of the right stuff for buffy that's probably true yeah um i know mtv when mtv shows originally aired at least when i was you know a teenager watching mtv i don't know if they i don't know how long they kept this up Mm -hmm. but during daria or the reality show the paper or you know the real world when they would play these musical cues over the show they would actually do the little chiron in the corner that had the musical information like you have on music videos oh that's neat i watched a really good uh, fan video that was set to the song i touch myself by the divinals yeah but it was a Buffy music video, and it had all these Buffy fun facts, like that old MTV... Uh... Pop-up video? That was actually VH1? Yeah. Pop-up video. Yeah, but they did it with a Buffy fan vid, like it was a Buffy fan vid, and they had, like, fun facts about Buffy as as they were playing that song, which was just very fun. Oh, that's cool. You know, there's actually a... Um, Pop-up video did an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch with pop-ups. Oh, I would watch that. If it's out there on the internet somewhere, which I'm sure it is. Yeah. I used to love pop-up video. I don't even really like music videos that much, but pop-up video was so my jam. And I used to wish that pop-up video, because they, they, like I said, they did the Sabrina the Teenage Witch one, like as a promotional thing. They also did an episode of Avatar, but I don't know, Avatar The Last Airbender, but I don't know if it was pop-up video that did it or if it was just something done in the style of pop-up video. Oh yeah, I think I've seen clips from that. And I just always used to wish that pop-up video would do it, like... For, for all shows. For all TV shows. Like, something you could turn on, like, closed captions. You could just turn on pop-ups. And also, that that would be a job I would love. And also, like, this is what we're doing now, so I guess... Yeah. Yeah. The Buffy music video had, like, ten seconds that was just, like, vampire reflections. Yes! <laughs> but, uh... Wow! Pop-up video is, like... The good version of, like, the evil CinemaSins, right? Yeah. Like, CinemaSins is evil pop-up video. Ugh, CinemaSins. 
they're at. Okay, no, we can't get into it. We should talk about Charmed, but... What are you talking about? Just because we've been talking for 30 minutes and are five minutes into the episode? (laughs) Even for us, that's pretty, uh... That's pretty bad. So, we go back and we see the older brother being mad at the middle brother who is playing with a lizard. Yeah, okay, so we're, we're at the brother's lair. And they're, the older brother, Greg, is just super annoyed that Brendan is going to become a priest instead of the evil, charmed one. And the middle brother's just like, I don't care, I just want to play with my lizard. Not a metaphor. Not a metaphor. And the oldest brother's like, I'm going to kill your stupid lizard. And then the middle brother puts up a force field around the lizard, which affects... The oldest brother. So warlock powers affect other warlocks, even mm. though the charmed one's powers don't affect good witches. I thought you were going to say, hey, look, they're setting up the end of the episode right here. Oh, uh, okay, that's too. But I, I was more interested in the mechanics of warlocks versus witches. Yes. Anyway, they talk about the thing we've already talked about, which is that Brendan has to kill an innocent to become a full warlock, but... Once he becomes ordained as a priest, he's safe. He's untouchable. As you know, Greg, it's, it's really weird. They're like laying it all out, even though it's just the two of them and they both already know. That's why they're in San Francisco. Yeah, the middle brother is like, look, can't we just like, we're still going to be super powerful warlocks without him. Just let him become, let the baby become a priest. Who cares? Well, yes. Although it doesn't make sense because... Presumably there's some evil power of three power that Greg wants to access. He says that they need Brendan to turn evil to complete their triangle. And I'm just like, really? Phrasing. Oh, I okay, I wasn't even at phrasing. I was just at how boring the, like, the evil charmed trio is just the triangle. There's a triad later in the show. Triad would have been better here, right? Yes, triad would have been a better term. Although also phrasing. I mean, everything's a code for a sex thing now. <laughs> Remember on The Good Place? When they're in the accountant's office and they humans did something new that they've never done before. And the one accountant is like, and it's not a sex thing. That's very ra- Oh, no, it's a sex thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Back at the Hollowell Manor, Piper is picking up the phone and... Uh-oh, it's Josh. There's so many generic dude names in this. I have so much trouble keeping track of who's supposed to be who. Okay, why is Josh hitting on her so hard when she's obviously not into him? That's what he likes about her. Oh. The fact that she's not into him. Gross. Yeah. Okay, so... I've, why did they bring this guy back? Were people clamoring? He comes back again, too. Another episode after this one. Jeez. And then we'll never see him again, so it's okay. So... Kitwatch 2020, uh, Phoebe's like, uh-oh, I better leave the room to change the cat's litter so that you can have a conversation with Josh. And Piper's like double-fistedly flipping her off. I actually put in my notes, Kitwatch! Yeah, Kitwatch. And Piper's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Josh, but unfortunately I have to wash my elbows. Can't go on a date with you, want, want. But actually, this is... I, I did find this bit amusing. She says that she has to go to work. She can't meet up with him because she has to work. And then Prue says that she's going to go to the church and talk to Brendan and see if she can figure out what's going on with, you know, the warlocks attacking him. Mm-hmm. Piper volunteers to go with her and Prue's like, um, I thought you had to go to work. That was clearly an excuse, Prue. 
Come on. No, Pernu- I, 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 it was good sister teasing, in my opinion. It was like, mm. it was realistic sister teasing. Although, is she lying? Because we'll see her at work in the next scene. Yeah. Anyway, Prue's all like, I need to find out what the deal was with... The other hot guy. Brendan. Brendan. Thank you. I was like, Christopher? John? Brendan. <laughs> Brendan. I need to go find out what the deal is with Brendan. Uh, because he didn't seem surprised to be attacked by warlocks. Yeah, and also he didn't seem to be surprised to see Prue use magic. So I I like that there's kind of a dual purpose here with Prue. Part of her wants to go and make sure that Brendan is okay, but also part of her wants to make sure that he's not going to totally expose them as witches. There's mm-hmm. a little there's a little selfish personal gain mixed in there. Yes. So she goes to t- uh, talk to old man priesty father austin father austin and she's like hey so there was a guy in here he got attacked by something something i want to track him down and interrogate him about it and the priest is like wait why what who are you are you what the hell are you a cop what's going on here and prue's like no i'm just a concerned citizen and he's like he did say that the evil forces were after him and prue's like what and he's like oh shouldn't have said that okay so i put in my notes that the priest needed to be asking her more questions he does actually ask her a lot of questions like who are you what is happening why do you want to know but he does also give her a lot of information he even tells her where brendan is i'm like no like go with your instincts of not telling prue anything he asked prue like how she thinks that he she can help brendan and she's like i'm sorry i can't tell you that it's kind of personal so there's a skit from a mr show episode Mm -hmm. where david cross is playing a pope expert and he's being interviewed and one of the interviewers asks him what's the question you get asked the most and he says who let you in here (laughs) oh you mean about popes oh (laughs) who let you in here prue also prue just like refuses to answer she's like um, I think that's kind of personal. It's kind of rude of you to be asking. Like, you didn't come in and ask 10,000 questions about... Brendan. Brendan, thank you. You have, like, a block around remembering his name. Which is, which is weird. I've, I had friends named Brendan in the 90s. I think it's just such a non-warlock name. They all disappeared. I, and it would make sense, since he has a human mother, it would make sense that he was the one of them with, you know, a human name, and the others would be, like, Darvis or, you know... Lucific. No, Greg. 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 Greg and the other one. And Peggy. Uh, I mean, he is part of the fastest growing army on YouTube. Oh, God. Don't look that up. <laughs> uh, this is just all references to other things, the episode. References to, like, very millennial online things, too. Like, this is the inaccessible show. Mm. I think it's because this episode is boring well no no i was gonna say it's neither very good or very bad which makes it very hard to talk about because it's just people are doing things competently and that's yeah so this is this is the king of queens of episodes just a workhorse episode it is the episode you watch at a laundromat I can't conceive of King of Queens being watched at anything other than a laundromat, but that might just or like a like the waiting room at an oil change place. Yes, 
Yes, the place that this sort of thing lives. Well, so me- the good news is mm-hmm. we're going to go to Quake and get to see people not doing their jobs well. Yes, we uh, we cut from Prue not answering the priest's questions to Piper not a- answering Phoebe's questions about why she won't just put out for Greg already. Josh. Josh. I'm sorry, it's not helped that these are also people from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, they are! It's Greg and Josh! Anyway, Josh shows up, and he's like, Hey, Piper, your sister called me and told me to come over here and hit on you awkwardly. Me and my chin cleft were just in the neighborhood. He's like, hey, I was just wondering if you wanted to get all hot and sweaty. By which I mean go to the gym with me. What did you think? And, okay, worst pickup line... And who wants to go to the gym on a date? Maybe he's one of those guys who's super neurotic about women wearing makeup. So he forces all of his dates to work out so he can see if they're wearing makeup or not. Oh, gross. Yeah. Okay, and also it turns out to be a climbing gym, which is actually a fun idea for a date. But but phrase it like that. that. Yeah, that's not what he says. He's like, hey, I was going to go get in a workout. You don't go get in a workout at a... Anyway, he's taking her to a climbing gym. God, I miss working out. Huh, yeah. But yeah, no, you say, hey, I, I go to a rock climbing gym and it's a lot of fun. Do you want to go? Not, you don't invite someone to a workout. It's when you're at your least sexy. Yeah. Okay, so what's weird is Piper's like, I can't leave. I'm at work in the middle of the day. And Phoebe's like, well, just go and I'll keep an eye on the restaurant for you. And Piper's like, okay, I guess so. This is barely a subplot, by the way. Yes, it is barely a subplot, but also. You can't just leave in the middle of your shift. But maybe you can, because what is Piper's job? Yeah, yeah, like, I I think she's, I think she's officially locked into running the restaurant, but not being a chef at this point. Well, when we opened this scene, she was running a credit card through a machine. Was she waiting at a table? Like, what? Anyway, she's going to go to the gym with... Josh, now you've got me doing it. Sorry. Yeah, she's going to go to the gym with Josh, which, whatever, whatever. We cut from that to, like, a ranch where Brendan volunteers with underprivileged kids. Okay. There's a lot of outdoorsy stuff in this episode, by the way. Yeah, I was thinking, this episode must have been weirdly expensive to shoot. There's a bunch of locations that can't have been, you know cheap to shoot at well and we're actually going to see them riding horses in a second and so they actually had to coordinate a stunt with stunt doubles like you, you can plainly see when they're riding the horses that it's not them riding it that it's their stunt doubles yeah it's not a lucy lawless situation where you know the hercules the legendary journeys people just went to new zealand and found a woman who could breathe fire and ride horseback and they're like we're giving you your own tv show so we don't have to pay stunt people Anyway, Brendan is working with underprivileged kids who are riding horses, and the little girl who's been riding the horse is like, oh no, a spider, kill it! And Brendan's like, no, because I have respect for all living things, because I'm a good warlock. Can you sing with all the colors of the wind, little girl? Yeah, anyway, he he saves the spider, which is like a tarantula, it is! Yeah, is that a thing in California? Because if so, I'm not going to California ever. I mean, maybe. I, 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 I think of that as more of a south you know southwest thing yeah i don't know but 
so he's like don't be scared little girl and then he shoves the tarantula into her hands and she's like oh i didn't realize i could just not be scared of spiders thanks mister yeah and Prue's like i see you have a good heart why are demons after you and he's like i don't really know what yeah he's like um i'm not gonna talk to you but don't worry i'm not gonna tell anyone you're a witch it's it's cool and she's like, well, what if I told you that I know that those people that attacked you are warlocks? And he's like, well, if you tell me that, I guess I'm just going to jump on this horse and run away. And then Prue jumps on a horse and chases him. What? <laughs> you know, the logical place for this to go. What a weird, what a weird moment. And like I said, they had to like get a stunt coordinator and have stunt doubles do this sequence where Prue chases him on a horse for some reason. Also, I love how he he's clearly got the horse at like like a trot. Uh-huh. A trot's like above a canter, right? Or below a canter? Uh, I don't know. It's below a gallop. Whatever his horse is doing, it's clearly the thing that's a step down from what Prue's horse is doing. It's like, it's going faster than just walking, but it's not going at, like, it's going at the fastest thing that's not walking. So Prue catches him basically immediately, and she's like... And, wait, wait, and then when she catches up to him, he, like, slows down to a, to a, just a walk, and is like, hey, let's just chat, I guess. Since, since you hopped on a horse and chased after me, you've... You've passed the test, and now we can chat, or whatever. You've unlocked my backstory. Right? So, she's like, you're obviously not an ordinary man. You love spiders, horses, you got attacked by warlocks. And he's like, well, I don't love all spiders, I don't love black widows. And she's like, oh, God. Thanks, Johnny Pedantic. (laughs) Also, brown recluses are way more dangerous than black widows, just throwing that out there. Mm Mm-hmm. He also tells her that he's going to be safe from the warlocks as soon as he becomes a priest. And Prue has this look on her face like, oh, but I was going to bang him. Now he only gets banged by Jesus. That's what being a priest is. Huh. I knew that's what being a nun was. But... Yeah, no, that's not true. Actually, actually, if you're, actually, I think, I think if you're a priest, your bride is the church. I think that's the thing. Anyway, back to the climbing gym. So Piper's just always complaining about shit. Mm-hmm. Because at the gym, Piper's like, ugh, I thought this was going to be, like, some, like, cardio in a juice bar. But no, it's this really hard climbing, and I don't like it. And it's like, this is way more fun. What's wrong with you? To be fair, I would be, I mean, not now because I really miss the gym. But I would be honked off if someone, like, pulled me out of whatever I was doing to make me go to the gym, no matter what kind of gym it was. Oh, yeah. That is, that's worth being annoyed about. But she acts like the climbing wall was a bait and switch when it's clearly superior. Oh, yeah, like... A bait and switch would be if he said, do you want to go to the climbing gym? And then he was like, by the climbing gym, I meant the Stairmaster. Yes, also, this is much preferable to, uh... You know, unless you have a fear of heights. Okay, so I have a fear of heights. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a, when I was in grad school, our gym, the university's gym, had a climbing wall. And it was awesome, and I loved it, and I miss it. It was a lot of fun. Also, okay, so uh, when you're doing rock climbing, um, there's, like, two different ways to be belayed. Belayed? Mm. Belayed? Belayed. 
Okay. There's, like, two different ways to be belayed. I, I mean, maybe there's hundreds, but there's two ways that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. One is, like, with another human who is holding on to the rope and is, like, making sure that if you fall off the rock, you... Sw- just swing. Right. Like, they, they're, like, basically physically holding you, like, with a lever with a rope, right? Yeah. But the other way is this, like, automatic locking mechanism that a lot of rock climbing walls have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you get to the top, you can just, like, fling yourself off and it will catch you which was my favorite part of rock climbing i basically just put up with the stress of getting to the top so i could fling myself off it was a lot of fun and i'm saying that because piper falls air quotes yeah and then josh like catches her and everyone's like oh look at this hero saving her he didn't save her she's got the rope she was fine like the rope was gonna stop her if you didn't catch her well it's not just that it's that when she's like when she's falling, it's clearly like what would happen slowing her descent because yeah. it's got the little locking mechanism. Yeah, like congratulations, you did nothing. Like, but he catches her and she's like, "Oh, big strong man saved me." Okay, wait, wait. Actually, actually, what she says is, "Talk about falling for a guy." Oh, oh, <laughs> barf. Boo! Boo! Ugh! <laughs> Wait, I can't. Hold on. God. Oh. oh, God. In all fairness, she is as disgusted with herself as we are and literally freezes everything so that she can deal with the terrible thing she just said. She actually calls Phoebe at the restaurant to be like, Phoebe, I'm... I am terrible at dating. You will not believe what I just said to Josh. And over at Quake, like... Phoebe's flooded the kitchen. (laughs) Like, it's weird how we don't actually get the subplot of all of the disasters Phoebe had at the kitchen. Because clearly they wanted to do that. But I guess they had to cut that so we could get a horse chase instead. Yeah. And she tries to... What is going on with this episode? (laughs) I don't know. She She tries to stop the faucet from flooding... By sticking a pot over the top of the faucet? Well, I, I think there's, like, water spurting out of the top. I You're right. I don't know what the pot's going to do, but... Hey, if you want to see a wet Alyssa Milano in a midriff shirt, here's a scene for you. Actually, she's, she's wearing a, a sweater set. Nothing says sexy like a soaking wet sweater set. She says, to, she says to Piper, she's like, where's the water shutoff valve? No reason. Just curious. And Piper... Piper hangs up her cell phone, unfreezes Josh. And Josh is like, where did the phone come from? And she's like, Phoebe called me. There's an emergency. Gotta go. And he's not like, wait, did I have a stroke or something? Because you didn't have your phone out and then you did. And there, you apparently had an entire conversation in the blink of an eye. What? Okay, so this is why I would be caught as a witch almost immediately if I had time freezing powers. Because I... I'm with Piper there. Every time I said something embarrassing, I would freeze time and be like, oh my god, why did I just say that? And then, you know, I would unfreeze time and everybody would be like, why are you not there anymore? Because I would definitely run away. So, yeah. Well, it's like that thing where, like, later someone catches Piper using her powers on videotape. She's like, I've got evidence that, you know, you used magic and... They, they treat it very seriously, even though in-universe, it, it would just look like a jump cut. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it, it's like the, uh, what's that terrible movie? Glass? Is that what that movie was called? The sequel to Unbreakable? Yes. Okay. Yeah, where it's a bunch of guys, like, like, oh, look, we have proof that superpowers exist because a guy ran kind of fast and jumped hard. In this grainy security footage that you definitely could make on your iMac. Like, that movie was so dumb. I didn't watch it, I just know that that's how it ends. They're like, Bruce Willis's weakness is water because he can drown, so naturally... In the insane asylum, they'll keep him from using his superpowers by throwing water on him. Yeah, it's not kryptonite. It's yeah. just that the only way he can die is through drowning. Like, you can't stab him to death. Yeah. Like, do you, do you He's remember? He's not the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. Ugh. Well, I hated Unbreakable, so I know I was kind of... I know I was kind of alone on that. But I feel really, really vindicated now. <laughs> By glass. Yeah, in, in my hatred of Unbreakable. Because I, I actually, I started to feel like I was the one who was going mad. Because I hated it. The guy I was dating at the time, we saw it together. And, like, the movie is two hours long, or you know, however long it is. And I feel like we spent four hours after it was over complaining about how terrible it was <laughs> to each other. Like, that was the experience I had of watching Unbreakable. I hated it. But everybody loved it. Even people who generally don't like M. Night Shyamalan were like, well, yeah, but Unbreakable is really good. I wish they'd do a sequel. And I'm like, am I am I the one who's going mad? Do, do I need to, like, rewatch it? Did I, what did I miss? But now I feel really justified. Well, apparently Glass, I didn't see it. I've just listened to a lot of podcasts about it because it, for some reason, showed up on a bunch of bad movie podcasts. Also, we're millennials, so that's how we absorb culture, is not by actually seeing the thing, but by watching commentary of the thing. Yes. Commentary. Full circle. But anyway, apparently Glass is like 25% just clips from Unbreakable because the movie had like a $2,000 budget. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard that as well. So we're back at church. All right. So Brendan is like full on demon mode, standing over an unconscious Father Austin. An unconscious Father Austin who has like blood tastefully splattered on his collar. I was about to say, he has some like kind of weirdly graphic for charmed viscera on his chest. Okay, his chest is is definitely full of viscera. I only bring up the collar because it looks like... It, it doesn't look like real blood to me. It looks like it was colored in with red Sharpie. Yeah. But yes, the other parts are well done. So. Brendan is obviously trying to do CPR, which. Oh, really? I thought he was trying to shove his organs back into him. That's. Okay, that makes more sense. Thank you. Because I'm like, his organs are on the outside. What are you doing CPR? <laughs> like, what what is your plan with the CPR there? But he's trying to like stuff his stuffing back inside him like he's a Build-A-Bear doll that has a tear in it. Okay, and, that makes more sense. And Prue runs in and she's like, oh my god, he couldn't fight his evil side. Oh. I mean, to be fair to Prue, it does not look good. He's in demon mode standing over a, like, ripped up priest. And then nuns come in and Prue's like, Call 911! Which is the right thing to do. Yeah. And then she chases after Brendan, who's like, wait, no, it wasn't me. I just found him. 
And she's like, you found him and then turned into a warlock because you were so upset that your instincts took over? And he's like, yes, that, exactly that. I want to point out that Brandon looks kind of like if Chris Pine and Henry Cavill got in a transporter accident, but uglier. I feel like that's accurate, but also... I feel like that is just an explanation of, like, generically handsome. Mm. Just take a bunch of handsome guys and just do that face morph thing. But only one of them is named Chris. Well, you know, because Hollywood has all the Chrises now. Hollywood does have all the Chrises now. Yeah. They just combine all the Chrises into one Chris. Just your one generic Chris. The Ur Chris. Yes. So he's like, look... I, I saw him. My brothers definitely mauled him, not me. And and they mauled him specifically to make him upset so that he would turn into a demon. And then I... Uh, okay, let's talk... Question mark, question mark, profit? Right. I'm like, let's talk about his brother's plan. He would be so upset over the injury to this innocent that he would turn into a demon, warlock, whatever. And by going into his warlock form, he would be so angry that he would maul another innocent like presumably the idea is that the when those nuns arrived he'd be like oh no now i will kill you because i'm so angry because somebody that i care about was not a good plan guys not a good plan although maybe they thought if uh, the priest died while he was trying to revive him it would count as him killing the guy or maybe they thought that if the priest died while he was trying to revive him. It would look super bad for him and he would end up like killing the cops who came to take him in. Or maybe they thought that just being around all that blood would activate some sort of bloodlust in him. And he's he... not a vampire. But he's like, Prue, you have to believe me. Sorry, I'm just thinking about that scene in Twilight where Bella gets like a paper cut and all of the vampires go like <laughs> into full on vampire mode and they're like, we're starving because we're vegetarian vampires who don't eat humans and that blood smells so good. <laughs> God. <laughs> so her blood stopped smelling so good after she became a vampire, right? Yeah. By the way, yes, it does. By the way, one of her vampire powers is that she has control over herself, like, immediately. Normally, young vampires have trouble controlling themselves, but, like, as soon as she turns into a vampire, she's like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna contain myself, because I, I can. Th- I thought she had the love shield as her power. That is also her power. Wait, so Twilight vampires can have multiple powers? Well, I guess the restraint thing isn't a power so much as it's just, like, she's just a better vampire than them once she gets turned. Shouldn't there have been a deeper thing to that? Like how Sokka was, you know, part fae? Sokka. Well, Sookie being part fae in true blood... Ahem. Sokka. <laughs> being part fae in true blood made her blood tastier. Yeah. Oh, you're saying, like, maybe Bella's blood was, like, extra tasty? I mean, that was supposed to be the thing with her, right? Her thing is that she was resistant to vampire powers. Like, she, she had natural defenses to them. Which is why, when she became a vampire, being able to shield people is her vampire power. Because she's naturally resistant to vampire powers. So maybe the, like, aloof, mysterious thing on, like, a fundamental level made her tastier. She she was basically the Mr. Darcy of vampires, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. So, did the Sookie Stackhouse Mysteries predate Twilight? Yes. 
Yeah. I'm not saying I would sue if I was Charlene Harris, but... I mean, the overlap isn't that big. It's just vampire... It, it... It's just a vampire's attracted to the one woman he can't control because she has brain powers. Okay, that is pretty close. Oh. I, I, it's not It's not close in a intellectually protect intellectual property protectable way but yeah i guess that is pretty close yeah but i mean you're right it's it's not close enough for you to sue over it but there's a lot of overlap i guess probably in a lot of that kind of urban fantasy story yeah i mean if i'm charlene harris rural fantasy as it were yes if i'm charlene harris i'm wanting to downplay any similarities between my story and twilight well suki has a lot more sex than uh bella does she has so much sex including with a wear tiger Yes. Who did not show up in the TV show, to my knowledge. I didn't watch the last he season. He, no, no, he showed up. I'm almost certain he showed up. A werewolf shows up. Yeah, I'll no, see. no, I know. But Quinn was in the show? The, I'm pretty the sure. tiger I'm pretty sure Quinn showed up, but he just had, like, one episode, and he didn't, he wasn't the major character that he was. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm not remembering that correctly, but hmm. I'm pretty sure Quinn did show up. I really like the True Blood uh, TV series. But they pivot away from the book so much because, like, there's, like, running subplots in the book about her, like, trying to get her driveway repaved. And it's, like, large chunks of the books. I love the books. I really do. Although, I remember when I was watching the TV show when, um, in the sequence where Tara gets shot in the TV show, it's a sequence that's identical to what happens in the book up to the moment when Tara gets shot and having been a fan of the books watching the TV show, it was like, what? Well, I mean, Tara... It was genuinely shocking. I mean, Tara's basically an entirely different character in the TV show than in the books. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love TV show Tara and it's like, uh, it's a shame that actress isn't in more stuff. Well, so the thing about the True Blood TV series versus the Sookie Stackhouse mysteries mm. is that the Sookie Stackhouse mysteries are told from the point of view of Sookie and we don't ever go anywhere else. Oh, exactly. That's why the TV show is good because you get a lot more different perspectives and you're not seeing the world through this very limited viewpoint. Right. Yeah, no, and I, I like that about the show. Because they did that, they gave other characters a lot of plots that don't exist in the books because they could. Because we could have all these plots. Yeah. Which... Is both a blessing and a curse. I'm looking at you, <sighs> Iraqi war ghost subplot. Do you remember that one? Oh, I think that might be after I stopped watching the TV series. It's it's after Terry becomes mayor. It's like how they got the actor out of the show after he became mayor. It turns out like that the ghost of uh, the ghost of. A woman that one of his squad mates killed in Iraq has been killing everyone in his yeah, squad. Yeah, okay, I do remember that. It did, I did, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I guess I blocked it out. It was not the best way to get that character off the show. I I didn't care for the fact that they basically kept Sookie with Bill for way, way longer than they should have because she was actually, because Anna to Paquin was actually married to him, yeah. And I think still is. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have said that in the past tense. I Sorry, I'm, now I'm flashing back to that Office episode where Andy's dressed as Bill Compton. And how Dale... many vampires am I supposed to keep track of? <laughs> yeah, how many vampires am I supposed to care about? Charmed. Warlocks. Do so... you have any vampires? <laughs> Hold on. 
What a long vampire tangent for a show that doesn't even have vampires in it. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're, I think we're just going to have to accept that this is a more tangenty episode than they usually are, oh, even man. for us. So Wait, wait, wait. So I assume, because how, how long have we been recording? Over an hour. <laughs> an hour and ten minutes. Okay, so at this point we've been recording an hour and ten minutes. I assume that when you edit this episode, you're going to cut out at least some of our tangents. Like, maybe not, like, at least some of the time in our tangents. Mm-hmm. And... That's an assumption to make. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And when I'm editing, I know sometimes I'll want to cut out a tangent, but we'll move, like, from the tangent to the episode in such a way that I can't really cut it because then the sentence doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I just want to drop in here. If all of a sudden we were talking about one thing and then we're back to talking about the episode and it feels really weird and, like, jump-cutty, no, it's because we cut out a boring tangent. And now that I've said that... You, like, have the freedom to just cut whatever you want to cut. Yes. Probably won't, but it's good to know that it's there. So, Billy Warlock is... Uh. That's a Baywatch reference. But uh, he's like... Yes, exactly. So, Brendan is trying to explain to Prue that, you know, he's his, his... he's a good warlock, really. Yes, his brothers are trying to trick him into killing, you know, so that thing, you know, right. get power, blah, blah, blah. Hard and, cut to Andy. Oh, yeah. Poor Andy and Daryl at the scene. I want to point out last time Andy was at the scene of, you know, a priest being murdered. He was all like, her, her lifestyles of the rich and shameless. Because, you know, it happened, you know, you remember right, the, 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 the wedding episode. the wedding episode, yeah. But this time he's like. This is personal. I knew this priest. This was his priest. Apparently, Andy's Catholic, and this is his church. And Father Austin was his priest. He's the one who, like, gave him his first communion and, like... Maybe Andy shouldn't be on this case, then. Okay, well, Andy actually says, what kind of animal would do this? And I'm like, Andy, you are a homicide detective. You're a homicide detective who... You saw a priest get thrown out a window, is like... Is this the worst thing? I understand, like... Now it's personal, but this cannot possibly be even close to the worst thing you've seen on the job. Also, this is, what, the 12th? (laughs) Okay, it's not a murder scene, technically. I was supposed to say it's the 12th murder scene he's found Prue at, but... Okay, well, first of all, he hasn't found Prue there, because Prue ran off with Billy Warlock. That's true. And, as you said, you're right, it's not a murder scene because the, the priest is not dead yet. Yes. He's not dead yet. He's just been mildly eviscerated. Just, just lightly disemboweled. Meanwhile, Piper is paying the waterman for fixing, you know... The plumber, yeah. The plumber for fixing uh, the plumbing. Yes. After... How on earth did Phoebe break that? Not, not clear. Unclear. You've used faucets before, right? Also, Piper's, like, annoyed with Phoebe, but I don't know if that's justified because we totally didn't see any of that. Well, I mean... She has a lot of reasons she should be annoyed with Phoebe. Oh, well, she should be annoyed with Phoebe about, you know, pushing her to go have sex with Josh for some reason. And Piper starts off on this long thing about the reason why she hasn't felt, you know, like dating is because every guy she's liked recently has been a warlock or a ghost. Or a white lighter, although she doesn't know that. She she legit at this point doesn't know why Leo left. Which, it's weird that 
she doesn't bring that up as a reason she might not want to date. She's just like, it seems like all of the guys I've liked recently have been supernatural creatures, and I just, I feel like I need a break just to sort things out internally. Now, as annoyed as I am with Phoebe in this episode, which is a lot, Mm -hmm. she knows, you will recall, dear listener, that she knows why leo took off but she's been forbidden from telling anyone so she knows that leo is a white lighter and that he loves piper but he can't be with her because of the whole rules which is white lighters etc yeah so in a way as much as it annoys me i guess it makes sense that she's really pushing piper to have a relationship in this episode because she knows the whole story of what happened and is worried about her sister i just really feel like leo should get a shout out as part of this speech because that would be a reason. You yeah. Know, I literally... He just disappeared. Yeah. Okay, okay. But then, as I just justified Phoebe, but then Phoebe says, If I had known you wanted to take a dating hiatus, I wouldn't have pushed so hard. You mean, if you had known the thing she was telling you at the beginning of the episode? Like, over and over. Oh, I didn't realize you meant what you were saying. Whatever. This is a real, as we mentioned before, outdoorsy episode because the next scene is Prue and Brendan, like, talking in a park. They're, like, walking through a park while he explains his whole deal. Is this Wendigo Park? They're walking uh, through a covered bridge, which I kind of miss covered bridges. They're a really big thing in Connecticut, but they're not so much here. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a New England thing. In fact, apparently in New England, I mean, this is San Francisco, but... Apparently, there's such a thing that, apparently covered bridges are such a thing that somebody wanted to build a covered bridge over a creek. Like, this isn't a river, it's barely a creek, but they built this massive covered bridge over it, just probably because it was pretty to do so. no, that's definitely a thing. Really? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's more than just a creek, but uh, there's a really pretty covered bridge uh, by the Eli Whitney Museum over, like... It's a river, but it's it's a really, you know, well, it's I'm, an unnecessarily fancy bridge for what is a fairly small obstacle. Yeah, I mean, what strikes me about this bridge is that it's a beautiful, elaborate covered bridge in a place where you don't need a bridge, period, yes. let alone an elaborate one. But it's a park, right? So it's fine. It's a park. We've been pretty blatant about uh, Johnny Warlock's backstory up to this point. But this is when he really tells Prue. And he's just been like, I know them, or we have... A history together. No, no, they have said that they were brothers. Yeah, but this is where they get, he really gets into the nitty gritty, you know, the whole thing about they're part of this ancient demon line and they were waiting for there to be three brothers and... All of them are like super evil, apparently. But Brendan is different because he is half human. His mother is human. And Prue's like, that's so weird because my dad was human. And presumably still is. Yes. And then Brendan's like, ah, but the difference is your dad is good. Which is kind of a jump, but okay. You don't know that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Okay. You know what? What? I was made uncomfortable by the fact that his mother was human because of the implication of that. Mm -hmm. But him saying to prove the difference is that your father was good makes me think his mother was like an evil demon worshiper which i am relieved at yeah i guess there is kind of an implication to you know a half human half demon child yeah like 
it, 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 I guess you would generally go to a Rosemary's Baby situation. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm like, oh, wait. He's saying his mother is evil. That means that he was probably consensually conceived. All right, that's a relief. I mean, if you go on the internet, you can find a lot of people who'd be willing to uh, have sex with demons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, I didn't take it to that place. I just kind of assumed that, you know, he just found someone, like, his demon dad just found someone who'd be into the horny set. I was spe- she, she was horny for horns? Yes. I, I, was, I was speaking literally when I... Yeah, yes. I know, I know. But, so, yeah. He's he's half human, and therefore he thinks that he can be redeemed if he becomes a priest. I don't love this. I don't love the fact that they have him being half human as an out. I think the narrative would be stronger if he was full demon. And he or, just wanted to be good. Also, I think they should be demons instead of warlocks. I know, we keep saying demon because that was what makes sense. Warlock doesn't make sense, but that's okay. Because warlocks are something you have to consciously choose to be. Right. Like, you have to kill a witch and steal her powers to be a warlock. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can come from a line of dudes who go around killing women and stealing their powers. But, like, demon would have worked so much better here. Yeah. Now, he... Yes. I mean, that there's a reason we keep falling into saying demon when we should be saying warlock. The thing about him being half human and that being an out is that they need that out because of this huge flaw. I guess it's not a flaw, it's just an issue I have. This huge issue I have with Charmed, which is the idea that you are born good or evil and that your actions can't really redeem or damn you. We'll get way, way deeper into this, into the Cole season. But I want to point out, way later in the show, there's a bit where they find a, a half-demon baby. Mm-hmm. And they spend the first part of the episode discussing whether or not they should kill a baby. Just literally a baby. Why is that a thing? Why is that a running thing in our podcasts? And, yes. And the only reason they don't is because it's half-human. Like, if it, I guess if it had just been a regular demon baby, they would have killed it. Which we will also get to when we get to the demonic children who are destroyed by the angelic ice cream man episode later which is that's a ridiculous episode i can't wait to talk about it it is one of the dumbest episodes and it's pretty early on in the show i i mean i i I guess i feel like i i feel like i'm not allowed to complain about it because it is inherent in the world of charmed but i don't like the way that people don't get choices as far as who they are even in this episode later on prue's going to try to convince her sisters and she's going to be like hey remember when you were a wendigo you weren't pure evil like people should choose if they're good or evil and that i agree with but you know where's all that energy when we meet cole yeah the thing is like you said it's it's a consistent running thing throughout charmed like you are either good or you're evil and there's not really switching. Yeah, in fact, let's talk about what Brendan's plan is here. Brendan's plan is that he's going to kill his brothers, and then he wants the Charmed Ones to kill him so that his line is extinguished. Pretty messed up, dude. Also, you're going to be a priest. I mean, presumably that means your line will be extinguished if you're, you know, taking your priesthood seriously. 
I mean, I dated a guy in college who was a son of a priest, so I know that's not a given, but... Yeah. Could be a Toby from the office situation. So we cut to later when he's going to visit his brothers and his oldest brother's like, oh yeah, I can feel his power approaching, man. I feel a presence that I have not felt since... Is it a Star Wars reference? Yeah. So... So Brendan shows up and he's like, Greg, I've come to kill you. Which, it's not fair of me to keep, like, harping on these brothers' names. But I just, it's... It robs the situation of some of its gravitas. (laughs) Greg the demon. (laughs) Brendan the warlock. I'm here to kill you, Kevin. Right? Oh, oh! the other brother, the third brother, the youngest brother, his name is Paul. The middlest brother. Right. Sorry, the middlest brother. His name is Paul. And he's so, so Brendan's like, hey, Greg. And Greg's like, yeah. And he's like, knife to meet you. And he, apparently he got a holy dagger at some point and he tries to stab. Yeah, they, they both, Greg and Brendan both have knives and they like run at each other with their knives, but neither of them really lands a good blow like he scrapes greg's shoulder and then greg like greg's like yes be consumed by the bloodlust i called you here using magic yeah okay it's funny because they're having the fight in like one room and then greg pulls aside the curtain and is like oh by the way i have a bound and blindfolded innocent on a dark altar surrounded by candles here and since you've already got the knife in your hand you might as well stab her also i I love the fact that their lair is definitely an office building they rented out (laughs) oh like they're trying to hide it by keeping it dark but like no it's it's an office building yeah, it's weird. And the idea here, by the way, is that seeing this bound woman on this altar is the equivalent of, like, a vampire smelling blood. Yeah, well, they already got his blood dander up by provoking him into fighting, and now that he's got his bloodlust already, look, there's a lady who's just ready to be stabbed. Yeah, on this, like, they drew they drew a pentacle on her breast like a target. <laughs> like, that's where he can shove the knife. I Stab here. <laughs> He's new to being evil. He might not get how this works. I guess. So, you know, Brendan's standing over there with the knife and the dagger, I guess. And the Charmed Ones show up. And they they try to interfere, but Paul, thro- Paul throws up his force field. Okay, so it seems like Paul has a consistent power, but uh, Greg can just do whatever he feels like, magically speaking. Yeah, we don't really see, we don't really see Greg's powers. Like, he makes flames go up, and he has super oh, strength. Oh, lighting the candles, I feel like, is, magically lighting the candles, I feel like, is a ritual thing. Mm. Like, I feel like any warlock or witch could do the magically lighting the candles before a ritual, because that's just how it works. I, I don't think that has to do with a given power. Later, we see him do this, like, energy summoning thing, but it's like, they should have honestly the force field feels like a pretty good one-on-one thing with piper's freezing i was annoyed that they didn't have good consistent one-on-one powers i actually went to the charmed wiki to where they list out uh, the charmed wiki for every episode lists every spell that is used in the episode Mm -hmm. and i was hoping that i would see something i'd missed where they all had like three corollary powers but they don't just the force field is what we see yeah Especially because later on they're going to do a a spell for Brendan to try to make him a warlock. 
that is a Latin version of the to call a witch spell that they did earlier. Like, they know what's going on. Yeah, so the guy should have, like, I don't know, summoning <laughs> objects power or... Explodey powers? I feel like explodey is the opposite of telekinesis. Like, pyrokinesis? He should have pyrokinesis. Yeah. Oh, maybe I mean... he does. Maybe, maybe, maybe... I know I just, I just argued that lighting the candles is something everyone can probably do because it's just a showy little thing, but... You think maybe the energy thing he does later is supposed to be fire and it's just not a very good special effect, or? I don't know. I don't know. I'm spend- I feel like I'm spending more time thinking about this than they did on Charmed, so. So, Prue and Piper and Phoebe show up and Brenton's like, Oops, it- I'm totally not gonna stab this girl. Whoopsie doodles. Well, he, like, snaps him out of it and he's like, Oh, no, get out of here, brothers. And then they do. They run away. And, and... Prue and Brendan run off together, leaving the other two sisters like, seriously? Seriously? Isn't Phoebe the one who's supposed to have the hots for evil people? And... I mean, I mean, outside of Jeremy, I don't really think Piper has that much in the way of evil boyfriends over the course of the show. I mean, I know that's because she's usually with Leo, but... You're supposed to say Phoebe. Did I say Piper? I meant Phoebe. Phoebe's the one who has evil boyfriends. No, I... I... I said everyone, I, I said they all have evil boyfriends over the oh. course of the show, except for Piper outside of the pilot. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Well, and Josh. <sighs> He's not a demon. He's just a dick. He's the Parker of this show. Ugh. Parker being a reference to Buffy's human boyfriend, who's just a jerk. Not Parker from Reboot Charmed, who is a half demon who dates one of the sisters. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, the cops- He's on Instagram, because the show's super modern, y'all. I mean, lots of people are on Instagram. I don't have an issue with that. I just... He's, like, trying to become king of the demons or something, and he's on Insta- It's, like, New Charmed is weird. It's not well-written. Not that Classic Charmed is a bastion of good writing, but... (laughs) Right. So... We cut to a little bit later, you know. The cops show up. Uh, the the victim, the, the girl who was attacked, is still there. And she's all shooken up. And nobody wiped the pentacle off her. Maybe she just happened to get this tattoo and didn't think it through. <laughs> also, by the way, now that she's not bound to a table, we can see... Blonde. Blonde! See? Don't be a blonde woman in Charmed. It yeah. doesn't go well for you ever. So... Andy asks if she's seen this man and holds up a picture of Brandon. Brandon Rowe. And she's like, well, I had a blindfold on, so I didn't really see anyone, but I did hear the name Brandon. And Brandon said something to someone named Prue. And Andy's like, ugh. <laughs> right? It's like, Andy's like, I wanted to be a homicide detective, not the following around all the illegal stuff Prue is doing detective. I. It's funny, it's like, Prue's... I mean, Prue's a pretty uncommon name, but it's not necessarily your Prue, except that it obviously is. Yeah, she's like, yeah, there were two dudes and they were telling some guy named Brandon to stab me, but then some lady named Prue burst into the room and scared them off. I, I have to say, I'm less annoyed with Andy this episode, with him not realizing what's going on with Prue. Because in that 70s episode, we learned that Grams was erasing his memory from the time he was a small child. So his brain is basically Swiss cheese at this point? Yeah, he's got the Swiss cheese brain. 
I, I was going to say from Men in Black, from getting the Neuralizer too much, but actually the Swiss cheese brain, I just realized, is from Quantum Leap. Uh, it's a side effect of time travel. Hmm. And so it's great because it means from episode to episode, you can just make Sam not remember stuff that happened before and say it's from the Swiss cheese brain. It was a really smart conceit, honestly. It's Quantum Leap, so Wizard did it. Yeah. Anytime you notice something like that, a wizard did it. <laughs> so back at the manor... Prue has brought Brendan because she's going to shelter him here. And he can sleep in her room. Oh, yeah. She's go- she's not going to stay there, though. She's going to go sleep with... Phoebe. I forgot if she said Phoebe or Piper. She says the other one kicks, so yeah. she's going to sleep with the other one. Yeah, so... Are we, are we surprised that Piper kicks? No, that makes sense. I... So he's like, I don't get why you're treating me so nice. I was definitely going to stab the crap out of that lady. And she's like, ah, but you didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the strong argument you think it is, Prue. Also, she says that tomorrow she's just going to get him to the church on time, which, okay. Yeah, and she's like, look, I've seen you not stabbing people, so I know you're capable of not stabbing people. Also, even though you, like, get to make choices and stuff because you're half human, if I just get you into the church and have you say your vows, then you'll magically be good. Or I ge- something? I guess it means that God gets first dibs on your soul. So Ah, yes! God gets rights of first refusal once you become a priest. Also, they kiss, which is not what you should be doing to a man who's going to take orders the next day. Seriously. Or maybe bro. it's, like, exactly what you should be doing. Like, I'm sorry, her logic's just weird. She's like, I saw you being nice to... I saw you with the little girl, and I saw you with the priest, and you weren't stabbing either of them, so clearly you're not all evil. I'm And... Credit to the show, though. Down in the kitchen, in the next scene, Piper and Phoebe are like, um, he was totally gonna stab that woman if we didn't show up. Like, the hell, Prue. And Prue's like, hey, shut up. You were a Wendigo and you got possessed by the Woogie. So <laughs> yeah, neither one of you possessed by the Woogie. <laughs> yeah, neither one of you has room to talk. Also, uh, she does bring up a good point, though, which is that. Phoebe had a premonition about Brendan, which means by definition he is an innocent and they are supposed to save him. That is really the strongest point that Prue makes. True. I Although, I mean, God, how much faith can you put in Phoebe's premonitions? Oh, so mean. I do think that overrides all of the other questions, though. Yeah. Phoebe's premonition showed him as the victim, therefore he is the one they have to protect. Not just the victim, the innocent. The innocent, yes. And, you know, that's... Honestly, even if he's evil... Phoebe gets premonitions from whatever force they, like, work for, so... Well, I guess it... Is it the elders? Are the elders the ones who send the premonitions? No, it's something above the elders. Yeah. Oh, God, are we gonna have to read the Charmed comics? Because I know they get into what's beyond the elders, and it's apparently some real horse shit. Oh, really? It's not just the... It's, wait, more or less horse shit than the powers that be from Angel more horseshit because they spend more time talking about it without saying anything there's this thing called the all and it's like what spawned good and evil and like it's it's like a sentient garden of eden okay and like that's where magic comes from and it's also a book or something and prue comes back to life and absorbs it and Oh, no. 
Okay, then, yes, we have to read the Charmed comics to answer your question. <laughs> anyway, those sisters have decided that they're going to trust Prue and that they're going to do everything they can to stop the demons, warlocks, so that Brendan can take his orders and everyone can live happily ever after, I guess. Then Andy bursts into the house. Andy is not happy. Andy's like, listen, Prue, I've looked the other way all of the other times that you have committed murder. Like, a lot. A lot of murders I've seen you at, and I have not said anything. But now it's personal, so I feel like I should do my job. Yeah, now the guy who got attacked is someone I know. So, what's going on, Prue? Tell me what's going on! Yeah, yeah, he's like, tell me where Brendan is! And they're all like, we don't um, know. And he's like, yes, you're totally hiding Brendan, which... He, yeah, accurate. He, he is, yeah. yeah. They, they are. They are hiding Brendan. Oh, anyway, he just rants and rants. And he says that the priest is still in critical condition, right? Mm. So we, we know that the priest isn't dead. It's a good thing he shoved those organs back inside him. Yeah. And if the priest dies, then he is going to attack Brendan with the full force of doing his job. And also, it's going to come down on Prue, too. I like how Prue's like, yeah, well, whatever. And he turns to Phoebe and Piper, and he's like, okay, do you two know where Brendan is? And they're like... I like Piper's response, which is such a fairy response. Mm -hmm. I'm not hiding any criminals here. Ah. Like, they don't don't highlight it, but that is definitely a telling the truth but not answering your question response. Honestly, I really love Piper's body language here. Like... Just the way she's kind of shifting her, she has her weight kind of shifted to one side and she's holding up an arm to her chest. Yeah, she's like closed, like very closed in and protective. Like, it's a very good, very subtle note. So we have another, is it just the same establishing shot of the church every time? No, we've seen like five different angles of the church at this point. They clearly went down and filmed a real church. So, But we need this establishing sh- shot of the church because then we see the warlocks in the church doing something, but the room that they're in looks like another room from their lair, but whatever. <laughs> they're doing the, uh, I mentioned earlier, they're doing the spell to call a warlock, yep. which is the same as the spell to call a witch, except it's in Latin. They're summoning forth their shirtless brother. Oh, yeah. Which, really need to be shirtless for this, bro. And, and okay, I... <laughs> He, he, he's awoken from his sleep by their summons, and then he sees a spider in the room, and he kills it. <gasps> what kind of monster has he become? He did have a big, long speech about spiders earlier when he was telling that little he, girl he, not to be afraid. He was like, hey, it's okay. You know I'm good because I won't kill this spider. That is definitely where you should put all of your emotions. So, you know, he, he does kill the spider. So he, he goes to the church where he has been called. The spell brought him to them. Yep. And boat shoes and blazer are, you know, waiting there for him. Oh, yes. Greg and Paul. Okay. I, I don't care for this, by the way, because he's like, okay, now that you've done the spell, I feel the power surging through me. I feel like I am connected to a great force of evil in the world. So I'm definitely going to kill. And it's like, well... Is that you or is that the spell? Because if it's the spell, that shouldn't count. But it's obviously going to count. But I, Or did it just... Cole! I'm sorry. We're going to get into this so much when we get to Cole. 
Because oh. apparently he is responsible for everything he does when he gets possessed by the source of all evil. Cole gets a raw deal. I... Yeah. But he's like, yes, I'm totally evil. Please give me that knife. And the oldest brother's like, okay, let's get this started. And they're all like holding the knife together as they, a family. They tell him that to complete the ritual, he doesn't just have to kill an innocent. Now he has to kill a witch. So It's Dr. Horrible rules. You know, you need to commit a crime to join the Evil League of Evil, but if you mess it up the first time, then you have to kill. Oh, yeah. I mean, here it was, you have to kill an innocent, and now they've raised the stakes, he has to kill a witch. Yeah. Speaking but luckily, of, they've got three of them waiting in the wings. Yes. Speaking of, at the manor, they find that Brendan is gone. I almost said Cole. <laughs> they find that Brendan is gone, and Phoebe comes down from the attic and is like, hey, by the way, uh, last night I went and looked up Brendan and the book of shadows it turns out he is really evil like yeah, he, soups evil he's part of a line of warlocks that were so powerful no spell or weapon could stop them which clearly isn't true because they're not all running around still right i mean if maybe, do, maybe, do warlocks age normally i don't know I mean, I guess witches do, so it would track. Maybe, like, maybe warlocks get killed by other warlocks? Well. So that you can ascend the rank of warlock? Or maybe they get killed by demons. Or maybe they just get brought to hell by demons. Or maybe they get hit by cars. She just said no spell or weapon could affect them. <laughs> maybe they got taken out by that, uh, that bazooka that took out the judge. <laughs> maybe they just get, like, warlock cancer after a certain point. Oof. No, actually, in, in all seriousness, I'm going to go with warlocks when they get evil and old enough. Just get to go to hell with demons. I mean, hell is a place you can just go to and hang out. Yes. And then leave all willy-nilly. Yes, we will discover that. So, at the church, the three sisters show up. By the way, I love that they're all wearing, like, church-appropriate outfits. <laughs> they know that they're going to fight Brendan, but they all put on, like, church, church dresses. Plus. God. <laughs> So, Prue opens the door and she finds that there's a knife in it. Yeah, Brendan, like, stuck the knife in the door. It's a weird, it's a weird moment. So, she's like, it's time for you to, you know, become a priest. And he's like, yeah, it's a big day for me. A big day and I'm ready. I'm ready for what a big, big day this is. Okay, so I actually have to say that she's doing a thing that... Oh, they're in his priest quarters. Yes. I have to say that she's doing a thing that is uh, an actual thing that will be familiar to many women, Mm -hmm. where she knows that he is leaning towards evil and is probably going to kill her, but she is trying to de-escalate by pretending everything is normal. Mm. She's like, don't you think you should put on your vestments? Don't you think we should go into the church? It's because if you call out that he has a knife and is about to stab you it will escalate things it's the scene reads kind of weird but it's actually a actually not an unfamiliar thing that's depressing so he's like you know my whole going full warlock is kind of your fault because you made me horny and Prue's like uh barf (laughs) men So she just kind of telekinetically throws him into, you know, his priest dresser. Okay, so, yeah, she throws him into, like, an armoire that shatters. It, like, absolutely, it absolutely is destroyed. It's a good thing he's half warlock or I think he would be dead. 
It's also weird, though, the wardrobe she throws him into, the armoire, it almost looks like a confessional. Yeah. Like, does he have a themed bedroom? Isn't that how being a priest works? You get all priest-themed stuff. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so she throws him into the dresser and... He puts on his demon face, which looks a little goofy. He, it's it's a little too clem from Buffy. It's yeah. a little oh, too much God, skin. It is. Especially like his earlobes. He's got oh, like he's got serious earlobes. So she's like, "Look, okay, are we gonna do this? Me kill you? You kill me? Like this is stupid. You don't want to do this." She's like, "This isn't you. Stop I, being an idiot." I know the good Brendan is inside you. It's not why Father Austin believes in you, and he's like, "Oh." <gasps> And he looks up and sees God, I guess. And then he... I, I like that when he looks up, presumably seeing God, and is having a very emotional moment, we cut to Prue, who like looks up confused, like, is there something up there? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a weird decision to cut to that, and it's hilarious. But the thing is, like, she doesn't look... I mean, it's confused, but she's like... If you're like, oh my God, there's a waffle on the ceiling, and you... Like, really a waffle she's like she's like is there actually something up there or are you just like being dramatic like do you it, it, i mean she's she's a witch she's like is there actually like a force up there that you can see or are you just just being a okay no he's just being a actually i took back my waffle thing it's like how you would look at the ceiling if you came into a room and just saw someone looking at the ceiling and had no context for it which is like there's something up there i'm not seeing yes so he drops the knife and he shifts back to being generically handsome and he's like, thank you for seeing the best in me. And uh, Phoebe's like, should we still stab this guy? And Piper's like, just hold off a little bit, okay? She's like, well, we did put on our church clothes, so I guess we should go to like, I guess we should go to the ordination. Yep, so they're bringing him to get full priested. Yeah, he's, he put on his vestments, so he's, he's, in, his, he's in his cassock now. And Greg and the other one show up, and Greg's like, how could you? I believed in you. I put my faith in you. And... Okay, I, I like this, because Piper tries to time freeze them, and Paul uses his force field to protect them from the time freeze. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, which I like. And then Phoebe throws the knife at uh, Greg, and Greg... She, she doesn't have an active power. All she has is throwing knives. And Greg kind of deflects it. I'm like, no, come on. That was Paul's power. Like, don't just do the same thing your brother did. You should all have separate powers. Oh, but his deflection shield is red and Paul's deflection shield is blue. Ugh. Yeah. So he's like, so Greg's like, you know what? Fine. I'll just kill you. And I like Paul's like, wait, no, give him a chance. It's funny because Paul makes the speech that Prue made. Paul's like, no, wait. Brendan, I know there's evil inside you. Just look inside you. (laughs) And then he turns around to Greg when he sees this isn't working. He's like, it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to. And Greg throws the knife at at Brendan. And, you know, oh, remember the bit where he protected the lizard from Greg earlier? Paul jumps in front of the knife to, you know. Yeah, to protect Brendan. And then he and then he rips it out of his own chest and throws it at Greg. So once he rips it out, he like he starts dying, but he has just enough time to throw it at Greg and uh, and kill Greg before he dies. So basically the two brothers killed each other. No one had to do anything. Okay, so I kind of want to give Paul credit for taking care of both of the demons. Paul absolutely did, yeah. 
also so it feels kind of unfair that we also see him going to hell i mean presumably he was also evil because he had demon power so he definitely killed someone yeah he should have he should have gotten like a last second redemption because he he literally jumped in front of the knife meant for his brother and then he stopped greg from killing his brother by taking him out with his dying breath that feels like that should be good for some redemption points but whatever I wish we had gotten well, more. But they're inherently evil because they're warlocks, so there is no redemption available. Ugh. I wish we had gotten more stuff with Paul instead of the stupid subplot with uh, Justin. Josh. Josh, thank you. Or, or horseback riding? Yeah. <sighs> like, I, I'm going to keep coming back to the horseback riding scene because we didn't need to go horseback riding like you could have spent the time exploring the nature of evil instead of horseback riding <laughs> oh whatever so brendan Brendan's takes a priest now yeah he gets married to jesus and and and, and prue is crying like julia roberts at the end of my best friend's wedding yeah and phoebe's like if you're gonna lose a guy at least you're losing him to god and prue's like <laughs> shut up, shut up <laughs> she looks so pissed off and then we get a nice shot of jesus hanging out on the cross above uh okay the camera does the pan up to jesus on the crucifix in the same way that cameras usually pan away when you're having a sex scene it's not great it's not the best thing in the world just film language wise then we cut back to peru at quake where Andy shows up to be like, hey, I figured you'd be at Quake because you weren't at home and you're either at home or at Quake. And I just wanted to let you know that Father Austin's alive, so I'm going to stop yelling at you because... He cleared Brendan, which he cleared Brendan from, you know, attempting to murder him. He didn't clear Brendan from the whole, like, kidnapping a woman and attempting to murder her thing. And it also doesn't change the fact that you were there when that happened and also all the other things. But now that the guy I care about isn't going to die, I guess I don't care about doing my job anymore. Yeah. Okay, Andy. He's like, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking for the two guys who are responsible. And Prue's like, well, I have a feeling that you're not going to find them anywhere. And, uh... and Andy's like, ugh, so you killed them. Okay, well, ugh. Andy must have so many... I mean, I know that cops don't actually solve cases. I was going to say, Andy must have so many unsolved cases because nope. of the Charmed Ones. Prue but... is definitely screwing with his case closure rate, but whatever. I'm sure he just finds someone else to pin those crimes on. Oof. Oof. Too real. I mean... <laughs> I mean... Anyway, Prue goes back to the table where her sisters are, apparently, and Phoebe's like, well, I guess you're you're off because... You're not in handcuffs. Not that I mind handcuffs all the time. JK, just kidding. Except uh, not really. Yeah, uh, we were said something very, very mildly scandalous on, you know, TV. We uh, have to backwalk it. Anyway, then Josh shows up. And uh, Phoebe's like, oh my god, Piper, I'm so sorry. I didn't call him. And Piper's like, I know. I did. I've decided that I need to ignore my brain and trust my instincts. I mean, didn't your instincts tell you to date Jeremy? (laughs) I was going to say, weren't your instincts that you don't want to date Josh? Oh, yeah, that too. Like, whatever. She's going on a date with Josh now. We'll see him again in another episode and then never again, so whatever. Good. Also, I just, I can't imagine going on a date at the place I worked. Well, it's the only set they have, Max. Maybe they could have spent some of that horse riding money. 
I'm like, I am. That scene didn't. I'm so obsessed with that scene because it didn't add anything to the episode to make it horseback riding, other than massive amounts of expense. What was happening? Was this like a kickback to somebody that they're friends with who owns a ranch? I don't know, but Phoebe's like, no, it sucks. You won't get to bone Brandon. Reiterating a point she just made earlier, but you know, it. It seems like God takes all of the studs, which isn't a thing I'm familiar with. Okay, okay. Uh, Is there a hot priest subculture? Yes. Hmm. Yes. There was definitely a hot priest subculture. And I know that they're models, so this isn't quite the same. But, I mean, you are familiar with the massive amount of hot priest calendars that are available in Rome. I Like, was... every, every stand is selling a hot priest calendar. I was not aware that that was a thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and hot priests, hot priests are definitely a thing. Alrighty, then. Maybe it's because you weren't raised Catholic that you're unfamiliar with the hot priest thing? Apparently, uh, apparently that. Okay. So, and then the episode does this weird freeze frame on the two of them kind of laughing. Well, I guess they had, like, I guess even after 50 seconds of establishing shots of san francisco they had like two extra seconds that they had to fill because it's a really short freeze frame but it's definitely there yeah it's weird all right so i know we've spent a lot of time either smack talking or not talking at all about this episode but it's not the worst episode in the world it's it's fine it's just it's fine yeah 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 so we're going to talk about our segments it's time to access our own power of three. Uh, let's start with premonitions. We'll look into the future and past to see if anyone becomes famous. I didn't... I'm assuming from your face that someone becomes famous. I'm assuming one of the brothers. I didn't recognize any of them well, from so, anything. So but... Brendan is Michael Weatherly, mm-hmm. who is... Um, that's Logan Kale from Dark Angel. I don't think you watched Dark Angel. No. He's, he's a... Was he the guy who wasn't Dean Winchester? Because I know one of the Dark Angel guys went on to be uh, the brother in Supernatural. One of the Supernatural brothers. Oh, no. He was the, um... Wait, is that true? Yeah, pretty sure it's true. The one from Gilmore Girls? No, the other one. Oh, I, di- I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, no. He was like a... He was like an anonymous hacker character. Whose, whose hacker name was Eyes Only. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but he was, you know. God, I wonder how Dark Angel holds up. Eh. Some some ways not great, some ways weirdly prescient. Mm-hmm. But also, are are you familiar with the show Bull? Uh, Have it, you ever heard of Bull? A it, show which is in its fifth season on one of the three major networks. Okay, I feel like I heard of it, but I thought it was one of those like TNT shows about like lawyers or something it is a cbs legal procedure going into its fifth season and this guy is jason bull of bull oh my god also also speaking of cbs procedurals that are in our blind spot Mm -hmm. he is uh he's anthony denozo on ncis wow you mean the most famous? That's like the most watched show in America, or it was several years ago. Yeah, I think ago. it is. Yeah. Also, just because this was on his IMDb, and I thought it was amazing that this was on his IMDb in 1999, so like the year before this episode was filmed. 
he was in the karaoke video, like the video that karaoke clubs play for um, a song by Taste of Honey called Sugiyaki. Oh, I just, I, I couldn't believe that was one of his IMDb credits. I thought that was hilarious. Okay, I actually have a premonition, a retroactive premonition. Oh, I, I'm so embarrassed that we missed this when we were talking about premonitions last week. Yes, I want to give a special shout out to Hayden on our Facebook group for pointing out that Finolia, Finolia Hughes, who plays uh, the Charmed One's mom, Patty, was Emma Frost in the made-for-TV Gen X movie. Like, I can't believe you missed that. Mind blown. So thank you for pointing that out because. It delights me to no end. Oh, I love Emma Frost. Uh, do you want to watch the made-for-TV Gen X movie? So I actually haven't watched the made-for-TV Gen X movie <gasps> because I assumed it would be terrible. Oh, it is. But I also... It's your number one place for White Jubilee. Why? I also feel like I've heard, though, that the Emma Frost was well done. Better or worse than January Jones? Question mark. It's, you know, I, I need to watch it again because I mostly just remember they fight a guy who is literally the dream sorcerer from Charmed. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I. But, but the Gen X movie is technically the first X-Men movie. I'm aware. It, it's just real weird. Well, it was, a pi- it was a pilot that didn't get picked up, so yeah. it makes sense. Like all those like seventies movies they talk about on Mystery Science Theater three thousand that are very clearly just the first three episodes of a pilot that. Also, I, there's a Captain America movie floating around that was a pilot that never got picked up. Where mm. Captain America's like a motorcycle stuntman or something. Like the Wonder Woman movie that didn't get turned into the the TV show. The Kathy Riggs was it where she's blonde. Oh, oh, yeah, I thought you meant the one that never got aired, because I was going to say, no, no, that one got buried. Oh, my God, I love it. It's so terrible. It's, like, the worst thing ever. She kills so many people for no reason. And Yeah, she... like Wonder Woman, you know. I love the bit where she chooses to torture a guy instead of using the lasso of truth. It's a show that uses Abu Ghraib as a verb. Oh, no. Oh, no, that sounds terrible. I should definitely watch that. Yes. I, sh- I showed you that video about it, right? Yeah. 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 All right. I think that'll uh, do it for premonitions. Let's move on to time freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you? So, um, I, there wasn't a lot in this episode that was time specific. I mean, uh, overalls we much? did have Piper's overalls and her gigantic cell phone when she went to call her sister. Yes. But other than that, there wasn't a lot that, like, really specifically dated this episode. Yeah, for the most part, this episode could have happened any time. Yeah. Which will take us to our last segment. Telekinesis. Did anything genuinely move you this episode? There was nothing really that strongly moved me. I think the closest thing is the moment we talked about in the kitchen when Prue is leaving to investigate Brendan. And she teasingly says to Piper... Oh, I thought you had to work. Mostly because it sat, felt like such a real sister moment for me. Like, I I felt the reality of their sisterhood there. I was like, oh, sisters teasing each other. Yeah. Sisters doing it for themselves. Yep. Standing on their own two feet. <laughs> okay. Ringing their own bells. Okay. I didn't, like, get me, get me, but I genuinely, I'd say I was moved. I liked that Paul is the one who ends up resolving everything. 
I did like that, and it made me wish that they fleshed out the character more, that this is a guy who, you know, genuinely loved his younger brother and was willing to sacrifice himself to save him. I thought that was a really nice touch, and that's why it was too bad. It was kind of underdeveloped. Yeah. Yep. If, if I was going to give this episode notes, it would definitely be fewer horses, more warlocks. Yes. So in two weeks, we're going to be talking about episode 19, Out of Sight. Oh, this is the thing with those, like, demons that attack children and steal their sight, right? After the Hallowell sisters witness the kidnapping of Piper's friend's son, they discover it's the work of the Grimlocks. Isn't Grimlock a transformer? I don't think so. Maybe? Not to my knowledge? I don't know. Yeah, Grimlock's a transformer. Oh, okay. He turns into a dinosaur, see? <laughs> okay. I want to see the Charmed Ones fight Grimlock. So that's going to do it for us for this week. Yeah. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Thank you.